The best way to predict the future is to invent it. Stephen Ambrose brings you up to speed on what the future holds as he explores the latest technology as it impacts our lives. Well, good morning and welcome to Tech Talk right here on High FM. And uh, technology keeps going. Boy, oh boy. What happens never seems to stop. And the good news is, for those of you who have any nostalgia for a keyboard on a smartphone, is BlackBerry is back. Can you believe that after all this time, the company that was making BlackBerry phones under license, TCL Communications, said well, much earlier, I think around about February this year, that they're going to discontinue making phones under license and there would be no more BlackBerry phones on the market. Well, guess what? A new company called Onward Mobility, for whatever reason, has announced that they're going to launch a brand new 5G-ready BlackBerry smartphone with a physical keyboard. And truth be told, anybody who has played with a physical keyboard over the years found it, you know, and is, finds it generally a lot more productive than those on-glass things you can type without looking. And the way that BlackBerry, you know, made their their keyboards was always very, very cool. But anyway, this phone will probably start selling around about 31st of August. Chances are, I don't know whether it will come to South Africa. That all depends on the deals that these companies do with the various mobile networks. But but understanding the history of um, BlackBerry in South Africa, there's a good chance that we'll see a 5G Android-based BlackBerry keyboard bearing smartphone sometime in the next couple of months. And in truth, when it comes to security, when it comes to mobile device management, when it comes to corporates, in banks, people like that who really need an extremely secure mobile device that works on their corporate networks, the BlackBerry systems have always been pretty much outstanding. Many of the Apple and other Android devices from Samsung and those guys have, have come a long way in terms of their, they call it MDM, mobile device management. But BlackBerry's have always been pretty good at that. And they actually continue to develop and manufacture those platforms in the back end. So here's looking forward. I know Kathy, our station manager, was very sad to see her BlackBerry you know, keyboard go away. So who knows? We're going to see Blackberries coming back pretty quickly um, in the next little while. And who knows? It's the beginning of all sorts of things. And it will be, according to these guys, totally up to date using the latest technology, latest 5G radios, all the latest bits and pieces that you can possibly um, get and <clears throat> include something that you actually can't get at all. There are no keyboard or physical keyboard phones on the market currently. So I look forward to seeing when and where that's going to happen. And uh, we'll be playing with Blackberries again. Unfortunately, Blackberry Messenger, which was our go-to way before WhatsApp, is now permanently gone. Anyone who's tried it will find it just does not collect, connect to the server and it doesn't, doesn't happen anymore. And on that note, we can have a quick break and then I'm going to come back with TikTok for TikTok. All manner of havoc happening out there as um, the the tech world seems to be roiling with a lot of new changes. But I suppose the whole world has changed. There's all manner of differences happening globally. And uh, why should technology be any different? So we'll be back straight after this. This is Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose on 101.9 High FM. Well, welcome back. Now, if anyone's been following the, the TikTok 
uh, saga that's been going on. It all stems from, I believe, and this is just a personal thing, I'm not getting into politics because technology and politics, as we've seen, don't really mix, but there's been a huge showdown between America and China with regard to technology. It started with Huawei, and a quick update on that much later in the show. All of you who've got Huawei phones have a problem, but we'll get back to that later. Um, and TikTok has been an absolute phenomenon amongst the young people. If you, you don't know about it, you're going to hear more about it going forward. But essentially, it's a short-form video set to music platform where you can share your experiences. And it's been very, very, very powerful amongst young people across pretty much the world. And for whatever reason, Donald Trump has threatened to ban TikTok in the U.S., in fact, has said he will be banning TikTok in the U.S., gave him 45 days till the 15th of September um, to sort something out because Microsoft mentioned that they may be very keen to buy it. And, you know, it's just a crazy sort of set of circumstances. TikTok deny that any of their servers have any data that is shared with the Chinese government, government but um, the American administration seems to feel that there's a, a huge security risk in that and they are forcing some form of change. And Oracle, which are probably one of the largest, well, they are the second largest software maker in the world, but they make extremely boring software, software that you and I wouldn't even care about or think about, yet you'll probably find your bank, your company, most corporates around the world use Oracle software in their enterprise setups. And uh, Larry Ellison, their billionaire controller, said that he'd be very keen to potentially make a bid for TikTok. I'm not sure if that's simply a, uh, a sort of a challenge to Microsoft because the two of them have been massive competitors within the enterprise space for many, many years. But Microsoft has been, um, you know, publicly in talks with TikTok, with TikTok owner ByteDance to, to buy them. And it just creates a huge challenge. India recently also banned a lot of Chinese apps from running on phones within India. America seems to be following suit. And it's creating an enormous challenge. There's just no question that social media platforms collect unbelievable amounts of data from you and I. They store it. They share it. They monetize it. They sell it to advertisers. They send you services. And, I mean, the mantra around all of this is that to best serve the people that they work with or your their customers, they need your information to personalize everything that you do. And that includes stuff such as location, your preferences. Sometimes you even share your, your address book. So the amount of data that's collected by various social media platforms is a huge challenge for a lot of people. Um, many of the companies like Google and Facebook have extensive profiles on every single user, and we're talking about billions upon billions of people across the world, they can do things, see things, know things that would pretty much um, make your hair fall out, which is definitely happening to me. So it must be working in some way or another. But to have political interference at this level where a social media platform is being forced to sell its business to an American company, and I mean, uh, in, in, in real Trump fashion, he decided that he wants some of the profits from the sale to be given to the U.S. government. Uh, it's getting pretty messy out there. But expect to see a lot of change in this space, 
lot of young people are not particularly happy. A couple of competitors for TikTok have popped up, not least from Facebook themselves. And there's going to be a lot of change around all this space in the next couple of weeks, not months. Uh, and with Oracle getting involved, they've never had a great history of buying software. They tend to kill pretty much every piece of software they buy over the last couple of years. So who knows whether it's just a buying uh, and pressure thing or whether they dead serious of getting on it. And at the same time, another huge, huge fight is brewing between software and the various platforms that those softwares are sold on. A company called Epic, which owns Fortnite. Now, anyone who's got kids, and I know a lot of younger people who play Fortnite on a regular basis on their phones, on their computers, on their tablets, you name it, on their, their Playstations and Xboxes, Fortnite has become a real cultural thing for tons and tons of people. Well, a couple of weeks ago, Epic decided to stop and to bypass the Apple App Store rules. In other words, they gave for their for their virtual money, they gave people a 20% discount on their virtual currency if they bought it directly from them and bypassed Apple's rules for their, their, their App Store. And Apple's rules are pretty clear. If you have any app on the App Store and you sell anything via that app, so be it a subscription, be it whatever it is, if you sell something through that app, you pay 30% margin to Apple. And if you look at Apple's results over the last little while, there has been huge growth in their services revenue. In fact, in, it's starting to approach the point where services revenue is almost as important as selling hardware. And for a hardware company, that is quite a big move. So for Epic to have done what they did, especially at a time like this where the growth of online gaming, the growth of of all these type of platforms has been exponential due to the various lockdowns and everything around the world is pretty, pretty tough. But this time, Epic have the scale and the cost to really take these games, these game, you know, the game providers like Apple on. And at the same time, they not only took on Apple and their App Store, they took on Google and their App Store. So Epic feels that the fee is unfair and now Apple, Apple has threatened to remove them from their developer program altogether by the 28th of August. And the, the, the hassle for that is that so many of the tools that make the app work on, on iOS platforms across the world or across everything that Apple sells are embedded within the developer apps and the developer program that they're part of. And Apple are quite clear. They're saying there's no exception to their rule because if they allow Epic to change the rules, then what about every other person who uses the App Store? And it seems to be a bit of, bit of a, a, a corner that everyone's been backed into. One Epic now have absolutely um, decided that they want out, but their major distribution is through the various App Stores. And at the same time, you cannot sideload on an Apple device. You can on an Android device, but it becomes quite complicated. So they are now also um, suing Apple and Google, saying that it's anti-competitive and they're not allowed to do what they're doing. And the EU is also investigating whether the Apple's App Store conditions violate EU competition law. So expect to see a lot of legalese. It's not going to happen overnight. It's going to take a long time before this all happens. But right now, all the Fortnite users out there, South Africa and the world, are unable to buy 
anything using the virtual currency, no upgrades, no updates are being sent. And it's a huge, huge, huge challenge. So let's wait and see in who blinks first. Stay tuned to High FM, both on a Tuesday and a Thursday, and I'll try to keep you updated. So if your kids ask you what's going on with Fortnite, I'll have all the answers right here on Fire FM, and um, hopefully we'll help you navigate this craziness. But it really is a, a huge problem, and it's a real challenge for Fortnite over the last little while. And Epic are fighting on. There's going to be all all sorts of legal challenges and backwards and forwards. But essentially, there's no other way. On a computer, it's a lot easier. You can deal directly. But on your mobile device and on your iPads and any Google device, I think we're going to have a lot of very interesting challenges around Fortnite. And a lot of the deals, Samsung does deals with Fortnite and has made special sort of themes and everything around. But we'll be back with Tech Talk Cafe. I'm going to be talking about streaming. DSTV created a huge amount of buzz yesterday with a whole lot of new services, platforms, and hardware. So we'll be back right after this. This is Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose on 101.9 High FM. Well, welcome back and welcome to our Tech Talk segment, segment right here on High FM. And DSTV, that massive entertainment platform that a lot of us love, a lot of us have just built into our uh, our sort of expenses every month, 900 bucks a month gets spent. If you're a sports fanatic, well, there's probably not a better platform in the world with regard to the amount of sport that you can see, live sport and soccer and football and you name it from everywhere in the world. And they have been fighting a, a fight that in many ways they were destined to lose whichever way you went. Number one, for most of the world, streaming linear TV is in its golden years. If anything, it's almost past its golden years. The days that you used to, you know, put on the kettle and sit down and watch a particular show at a particular time on a particular day and then, you know, talk about it for a whole week before the next episode came out are pretty much gone. Um, I actually can't remember the last time that I watched DSTV on DSTV. What I do do is watch certain programs via catch-up using streaming, or I watch a bit of news, definitely some live sport, which is sometimes streamed, sometimes not. So my personal and a lot of people that I know and the global trend around streaming has been to watch on demand. So wherever you go in the world, you can watch product and service and products and services. I'm thinking like an Apple person here. But anyway, you can watch content any which way that you like, when you like, how you like. If you want to binge, you binge. If you don't want to binge, don't binge. But simply put, viewing habits and styles and natures have changed completely. Uh, when you get a program with adverts, it's like super annoying. I mean, what are those things that sort of interrupt the enjoyment of my program? But all of this has been slowly but surely moving ahead really quickly. And I think the lockdowns globally, certainly the lockdowns in South Africa, have made entertainment and video entertainment and entertainment on TV probably a lot more relevant to most of us. I mean, you know, with a curfew at 10 o'clock, a lot of people just sit at home and do whatever they need to do. Well, DSTV yesterday came out with a host, a host of new services. A while back, I think I mentioned that what DSTV have said they've done is that they've 
hooked up with a couple of streaming services. They haven't been specific about who they are, but the chances, 99.97% are Netflix and um, Amazon's services, which um, make perfect sense because those are products that they don't have. They have their own business, Showmax. We'll talk about Showmax a little bit later within the streaming space. But essentially, what they've started off doing is announcing a whole lot of new devices. Now, 4K, which has become more and more regular on most streaming services, and most TVs sold today are 4K capable. In fact, you can even buy 8K TVs right now. So the rumor was, when would DSTV go 4K? Well, they've now announced a brand new Explorer Ultra Decoder and... We'll talk about that a little bit later. Something they call the streamer. Not a big fan of using, you know, English in a way like this, but streamer with an A, uh, no ER there, set top box. And both of those will include support for third party streaming services. So Amazon Prime, Netflix are, are probably the most logical ones. But the benefit of the new, of the new, um, Ultra, the Explorer Ultra decoder is that they've now bundled everything into it. So before, if you needed to connect your your decoder to Wi-Fi, you needed another little dongle to plug it in and make it work with Wi-Fi. Now they've built Wi-Fi right into the decoder. Interestingly, the decoder doesn't have a SIM, uh, SIM card anymore, so they're probably using some form of eSIM to authenticate against the DSTV network, which has always been quite interesting, so let's see where that goes. But uh, theoretically, you don't have to do anything. You just register it with your DSTV account, and off you go. Everything works what DSTV has not announced yet is when they will be sending 4K video through the DSTV platform. So the satellite platform remains HD for now. All the channels remain. Nothing changes from that point of view. However, the fact that the decoder itself is 4K capable means that the streaming services which they're going to add, like Netflix or Amazon, will stream to your TV in 4K, which makes a huge difference. There's and um, when you've seen the difference between a 4K stream and an HD stream, especially on a 4K TV, it just makes no sense to use a DSTV decoder that doesn't give you that capability. So they've effectively brought their Explorer, their decoder, right up to date, uh, you know, with all the others, the Apple TVs and the Fire Sticks and everything else and the Rokus and everything that have been doing 4K for for ages and ages and ages. All the standard, um, they haven't yet announced what Netflix or Amazon or their streaming services will cost, but uh, they say they're promising bundles that will be super competitive. So you'll probably have, if you're a DSTV subscriber, you can subscribe to Netflix and Amazon Prime, probably at a discount and bundle it all into everything. But um, bad news is that the whole deal is under investigation from the Competition Commission. I can't understand why that would be a deal, because... Whether it's part of the DSTV, it's just a mechanism for signing up to these guys. So who knows? But in South Africa, we like to have little investigations. So they've probably had to delay the launch of those until that investigation is is finished. But DSTV has also been promising over the last couple of months a complete standalone DSTV streaming service. So in other words, if you don't want to install a satellite dish, if you don't want to stand a standard Explorer device which connects to a satellite, and I mean generally satellites super super reliable, 
Um, and only if you've got trees like I do that grow in front of the dish or there's terrible storms is it broken. And a lot of people find that it's just so much simpler and easier to use than a, a high-quality streaming service. But with ADSL, uh, that's something else that uh, everyone needs to understand. End of, end of August, beginning of September, telecom are killing ADSL. So anywhere that there's fiber or LTE or now the new 5G networks, they will become the de facto way that people connect to the Internet. And, and what DST have said, that within the context of their newly launched platforms and standalone streaming service, they will do deals with the various Internet providers to give uncapped streaming services to their standalone streamer device, which makes a lot of sense. That once you've got a streaming device for something like video, and I mean, I'm using, in, well, got a couple of 4K TVs, and the average family is probably between 500 gigs and a terabyte of data using 4K streams on a month, and no one can pay for that on mobile. It just makes zero sense. So uncapped streaming as part of the deal definitely makes sense, and it just does also make sense from the point of view is that your entertainment, your internet is all provided by one provider, something that's been happening globally for a long time. It's never quite happened within South Africa. Many countries, what you could do is get your mobile phone, your home internet, plus your TV, plus a streaming service, all from Orange or Vodafone or one of the major, uh, one in France, one of the major uh, mobile or telecommunications companies. So I think DSTV are heading towards that. And their standalone streaming service will run pretty much identically to a normal. It still won't be a full and complete Netflix-style service. In other words, they'll only release content once a week. They'll still have a schedule where you can watch. But it will give you completely unfettered access to the entire DSTV bouquets, whichever tier of bouquet you're on, through the internet without any decoder, without any satellite dish, without any other additional hardware, which I think is absolutely brilliant. And what they're doing is they're rebranding the DSTV Now app to just DSTV. So DSTV will be DSTV. And at the moment, they have said that the DSTV standalone streaming product will be identical in price to the current DSTV satellite premium product. The difference would really be is that you can have multiple streamers, you can stream more than one stream at the same time, and you don't have to pay for, for the, the um, satellite linking service, which costs around about 100 rand now. So you do save a little bit um, of money on, on the DSTV subscription, but a lot of, a lot of uh, confusion will reign around that. But I do believe that it makes a lot of sense. If you want DSTV Premium, you want it for your holiday home, you want it for a second home, you don't want to put in a satellite dish, why not just do it through the Internet if you've got a decent Internet connection and fiber is becoming much more uh, prevalent across everything and um, everything that, you know, wherever you are in South Africa. With 5G becoming more and more ubiquitous, I know there are complaints about 5G with the rain and mobile is not quite as solid nor as uh, sort of open-ended as as fiber. But the fact is that 4G and 5G services are pretty good throughout South Africa, and using it for this type of thing makes a lot of sense. Now, a lot of people have asked me, well, what about Showmax? Well, Showmax is an add-on. It's free as part of the DSTV Premium bu Bundle. So within the 
premium DSTV streaming-only bundle. It'll probably remain free. And Showmax does bring a lot of the back catalog and standard Netflix-style streaming that DSTV does not offer. So the combination makes a lot of sense. You get a lot of back catalog. Though Showmax have done an incredibly good job of having a lot of new content, I know that they've got a couple of exclusives, they've got a great deal with HBO, and they've got all the latest HBO content available. And HBO, which is not available in South Africa, would cost you in the region of 14 US dollars, so call it 280 rand a month just for that, and that's all available through Showmax. Now, what Showmax have done, I spoke about it a while back, is they've launched a pro version, which includes sport. So it would probably make no sense if you have a DSTV premium streaming service to add Showmax Pro. But a lot of people who are perhaps not interested in a DSTV premium service but still want access to streaming sport um, would probably go for the Showmax Pro version. And they, the, the touted prices have been in the 450 Rand range. But um, that is actually, if you consider that all the key sports uh, elements are built into Showmax Pro, and that's also launching in South Africa very shortly, you should be able to get pretty much everything that you need for from Showmax as well as DSTV. So it is all changed at DSTV. I do believe that they've, they've played an interesting game. It's not ex- inexpensive. It's a lot of money every month for a product. But essentially... Once you, you, once they launch commercially, it should be very soon. You'll get one subscription for all platforms. And for the vast majority of people, having multiple accounts, sometimes you don't have a smart, smart device where you can actually log in and, and download the app to play Netflix and whatever it is. You don't want to add another little box with another little remote. The DSTV current and new decoders will allow you to subscribe to a whole host of different services. The current ones all have Showmax. I would imagine it's not going to be technically too difficult to add Netflix and other streaming services to those. But if you want the best experience, you want the latest technology, then their new um, their new decoder, which is 4K capable with all the bits and pieces and everything that you need, just makes a lot of sense. So... DSTV have done, I think, a remarkable job. A lot of people have also said that there's so many channels there that they don't want, and why can't we bundle uh, channels, you know, just take the ones that you want. Well, a lot of lot of research globally has shown that doing that actually pushes the overall price up considerably. And in fact, right now, with the, with the, the sheer proliferation of streaming services in a country like the USA, you can spend close to $100 a month to get the couple of major networks with a few, with Netflix and a few other Hulu and a few other streaming services. And it adds up really quickly. And with Americans being the masters of nickel and dime, you know, you add $5 here and $6 there and you, Disney Plus and yada, yada. Before you know it, you're close to 2,000 rand a month for streaming services, which maybe for some is not a lot of money, but for others, it's a huge amount of money. And DSTV are offering for around about 850 to 950 Rand, depending on where and what you, you subscribe for, possibly with a little add-on for, for more streaming services like Netflix, you would land up um, being, being paying under, under 50% for all the same sort of content that you pay close to 2,000 Rand in the USA. And DSTV do quite a remarkable job at curating 
all the various platforms and bringing all the latest product as well as a massive differentiator for those sports mad people out there, um, which brings really great sports coverage within the context of entertainment in South Africa. So the simple fact is that I think DSTV is reasonable quality for money. The price is not inexpensive, but today, around about a thousand rand a month for for a fully you know, loaded streaming and satellite type service, I think that you get an absolutely unbelievable amount of content and you get an enormous range of content. And now with all their new streamer offerings, their new, their new uh, units and the way that the new, all the stuff is packaged will definitely give you an advantage for all your, your streaming and entertainment in one unit, one, um, one setup in a way that makes a whole lot of sense. So stay tuned. Obviously, all these new new products will be on the shelf in the next little while. In traditional style, I believe they're not going to be terribly expensive. I know that DSTV sell them between originally between one and two grand for the the major decoders, and the streaming box will probably come in under a thousand rand. They haven't they haven't actually uh, announced prices of that yet, but I expect to see them within the next month or two, and we will then see. Uh, exactly what all these offerings cost, but it'll be really, really, really important to see how they package it all together. Hopefully they get over their little competition commission investigation through this whole thing. And um, you will be able to get everything in one box with one remote, which is always a bonus. And um, you can continue using your, your DSTV dish if you want, but you can then add the full streaming support across you know, across your uh, house or wherever you are and um, get all that product all in one go. And there's just no question that streaming has become the de facto way that we're all going to watch TV going forward, be it on your phone, be it on your tablet, be it on your TV. And um, all these apps are now pretty much available. Watch the DSTV app change. You can do that right now on a smart TV. And um, you can stream absolutely everything that you want to stream from wherever you are uh, and I know a lot of people who've gone overseas are saying, well, how do we watch this um, from overseas? There are ways. I'm not going to talk about them here, but Google is your friend. So if you want to watch DSTV and sport from wherever you are in the world, and uh, you certainly can do that. But uh, you didn't hear me say that. It's absolutely, I don't think, allowed by DSTV. But good, good on them. I think they've done an incredible job of putting together a really well-thought-out bunch of products, both hardware and software, and it was it was coming. There was just no question that streaming services and a full streaming product from DSTV, which apparently was delayed, it should have come out earlier this year, but because of all the corona lockdowns and all the rest, they've delayed it massively. But their experience and their learnings around what they did with Showmax certainly has given DSTV the ability to join the streaming world and to create massive, massive value for everyone. So I'll be back with a whole host of gadgets and gizmos that I'm reviewing currently from Samsung. And um, we'll be back straight after this. This is Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose on 101.9 High FM. The world had completely gone crazy, and there's just no question that we've all been locked down in our homes globally, locally, even though Level 2 now has given us a taste of freedom. We can travel, we can go on holiday, we can socially distance responsibly, obviously. But 
life is sort of picking up and coming back to some sort of normalcy. And Samsung, as I mentioned a week or so ago, launched a brand new range, as they do every August, of Note devices. And their latest, latest um, device is their absolutely, I believe, quite good-looking um, ultra-premium Galaxy Note S20 Ultra 5G. Now, this is Samsung's first 5G device um, in South Africa, along with the, uh, the the Note 20. So the two of them are both 5G devices. And the versions that we are getting in South Africa use their own processor, the Exynos processors. And essentially, the Note 20 Ultra is, in my my estimation, the Rolls-Royce of Android phones on the market currently, but with one huge disclaimer. The retail price of this device with 256 gigs of RAM, 6.9-inch screen, every large update in technology that you can possibly want is going to sell for an astounding retail price of around about 36,000 Rand. So this is definitely not a a phone for the faint of hearted. It's certainly not a phone for those that are casually looking for the latest update. But if you're a note aficionado, if you absolutely have to have the best and the the newest and the, the latest, then this is without question the phone to look forward to. Of all the other Android devices, you know, I'm not going to get into the whole Android versus iOS camp. There are pros and cons across both platforms. But right now, the pinnacle of Android hardware, software, and technology lies clearly in the Galaxy, the Samsung Galaxy Note 20 Ultra. So, as I said, it has got an exceptionally good 6.9-inch screen. The latest generation of of AMOLED screens from Samsung have always, from the S, from the Galaxy 10 series and even before, have always been absolutely outstanding. Very, very high resolution, incredibly sharp, beautiful color rendition. And the latest generation of phones, the Note 20 Ultra, essentially it stretches from edge to edge. There's a tiny little metal band at the top and the bottom. And the screen stretches from absolute edge to edge, but it is a two-handed phone. It is huge. 6.9 inches, just short of a 7-inch phablet, is is big. But the quality of the screen sets this apart from pretty much anything you're ever going to see. The screen has one other really interesting trick that was introduced in the Galaxy Note 10 series last year, and that's high refresh rate screens. So this screen is 120 hertz refresh rate. And what that means in simple terms is that it is unbelievably buttery smooth. When you scroll through anything, when you move through any screen, when you watch a video, when you play a game, the screen's smoothness and fluidity is outstanding. And once you get used to it, it's very hard to get back to any other phone because things seem juddery, juddery and a little bit difficult to see. It's just not smooth at all. But what Samsung have done in the Note 20 series is they've made this adaptive based on what you're doing. Because obviously the faster the screen refreshes, the more battery life it uses. So what they've done is that when the screen is static, it drops down to 60 hertz. And as you touch it and start moving it, it shoots back up to full 120 hertz. And really it works exceptionally well. The battery life on this device is actually far better than the the, the Note 10 Ultra that or, or Plus that I had from last year, it gives me easily two days 
of of battery life. And the screen is not where it stops. I believe <laughs> they've thrown absolutely everything at this phone in a way that makes uh, no real sense in the real world. But what can I say? It comes with 12 gigabytes of operating memory. So super fast, no amount of apps that you use slow it down. It's just super slick. Using the latest Exynos processor, there's nothing you can throw at this device that, that causes it in any way to choke or stop. And the faster you scroll, the cleaner it remains. It's just a remarkably smooth and satisfying device to use. The South African version comes with 256 gigs of memory, which is not expandable that I can see. There's no, no slot for an SD card, but generally that should be more than good enough. And the, the latest version of the UI, in other words, the user interface that Samsung have, have the, have provided is very clean, very simple. There's very little duplication and it works extremely well. The overall feel of the device is very slim and very thin and a little bit boring is perhaps not the right word because all phones look pretty much the way that these, these Note 20s look. They glass fronts, glass back. The one thing that is a defining feature, which may bother some, but when it's in a case it's less noticeable, is the huge camera bump. And what they've done, in fact, they've dialed back the camera from last year's camera slightly, but this camera is pretty spectacular. It's got a 50 times smart zoom with a 5 times optical zoom and a, 120, a 108 megapixel main camera. And I must say, in the little bit of time that I've been using it, the camera is as good as, if not better, than pretty much anything else on the market. The zoom is incredibly good. The AI features are, are pretty smart. I mean, often the phone will tell me, please back off or use two-time zoom or do this or do that to get a better shot. And it's instantly quick. The, the quality in a typical Samsung fashion is outstanding, great detail with a slight sort of vividness which gives photos a lot of punch on on their own screen so with and and the front camera is also excellent at face recognition very good for selfies so absolutely one of the best camera setups on a smart device that you can imagine and the reason why that the, the there's this big camera bump at the back is that the telephoto zoom uses a folded lens type setup pretty much like Huawei did and like they did last year in the in the Note 10 to give you the sort of focal length to give you five and, you know, massive zoom on the, on the camera. So we're seeing a huge, huge improvement with regard to that. Obviously, the latest Gorilla, the Gorilla Glass uh, 6 front, which is much more, it comes with a screen protector built on, but it is much, much more scratch resistant than anything else. The battery is a 4,500 milliamp hour battery, which is slightly smaller than, than before, but based on the new technology in terms of what's running in Android and in, um, um, and the new screen sort of smartness, it works brilliantly. And the last and most incredible feature that we need to talk about is the S Pen. Now, the S Pen has always been a brilliant, brilliant device, and they've enhanced it even further. They've got smart technology which predicts where you're going to put the pen. So the lag when you write on the screen is absolutely spectacular. It feels, it makes a noise like you're writing on paper when you write with a pen on the screen. And there's an actual feel of friction. 
uh, when you write on the screen. And it's what is so cool is you just pop the pen out and start writing. You don't have to unlock your phone. It saves it. Its recognition is spectacular. It turns it into text. It saves it as a PDF. And for creative type people or anyone who wants to take a note, it's just such a crazy experience and really quickly. Not that I'm a big pen fan. I've never used one much. But it is a great, great way to write anything down. Um, and also you can use the pen as a remote control. It's got more battery life than before. It charges as fast as it did before. So the S Pen has been taken absolutely to the next level. And I'll be back with a quick summary of the Note 20 Ultra and um, its ecosystem because there's a lot of other things that came with it that were announced at the same time. And I'll be back straight after this. This is Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose on 101.9 High FM. Well, welcome back. And just to wrap up my review of the Samsung Galaxy Note 20 Ultra, in a word, it is an outstanding mobile phone. The experience is more fluid and faster and more more put together than any Android phone that I've used to date. But what turns the Samsung into a spectacular device is the simple ecosystem that they've built up around it. Yes, we've still got the Samsung App Store. We've got, obviously, the Android App Store. But I've been also playing with their Galaxy Buds, the Plus. Those are the new ones that look like beans. <laughs> and the Galaxy Watch 3 as part of the ecosystem. The new Galaxy Watch 3 is thinner, lighter, and faster than its predecessor. It's not the cheapest smartwatch on the market, but it's sport and other functions are absolutely outstanding. And with the enhanced capabilities built into the, the Note 20, you find that it's just a really seamless ecosystem of, of notifications, sport, probably the slickest experience I've had for a device ecosystem. The buds also work instantly. You open the lid, it pairs instantly, simple to use, great sound quality. Again, I think we get the European version, so the volume doesn't go quite as loud as I prefer, but maybe that's just a personal preference. But essentially, if you want probably the most advanced device on the market, the packages I've seen on Vodacom and MTN are much more acceptable uh, than buying one cash. So it makes a lot of sense to do the, the upgrade rather than anything else. But essentially, this is the pinnacle of smartphone design. This S Pen sets it apart radically. You need a case. This is a large, uh, slippery phone. You absolutely need a case. And essentially, it is probably in the Android space the best experience with the widest range of services and everything else. Samsung Pay works like a charm. So overall, a brilliant, brilliant upgrade, not a whole new world. But certainly, if you're looking for an upgrade, to go from an, a 10 to a 20, maybe not. But uh, definitely, if you're looking for an upgrade, you're looking for a new device in this space, this is the finest Android device that I've used for a long, 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 long time. And it, it really just ticks all the boxes in terms of quality, speed, ease of use, and all the latest technology. And on that note, I'm being told that my time is up. I've got to stop talking about gadgets and gizmos until same time, same place, next week. This is Stephen Ambrose for Tech Talk right here on High FM.